If you've been around Grace Point for any length of time, you know that uh, I enjoy a good story. I'll enjoy a good movie. And uh, a good storyteller is can be just as good as a good movie. Um, there's hard to find good storytellers. Uh, I think you have to study good storytellers. Uh, it's not something, it's, it's almost an art. But there's one that has, uh, that has, now he passed away now, but there's one that, that absolutely in my growing up years, and probably unless you're 30, mid-30s or, or so years or older, you won't even know this name. Uh, but if, you're, if, you're, if you don't, you miss an amazing storyteller in Paul Harvey. Paul Harvey was a person who could tell a story and take what would be just common everyday facts, and he could wow you over the air. No, vi- no visuals, no, no images in front of your face, just his spoken word and that, that weird kind of uh, quirky intonations and dramatic pauses would, would be able to communicate in a way that was unlike others. And the thing is, is that he didn't actually tell stories of people or events that we didn't already have at least a little bit of a knowledge. He would typically take the stories that we knew and develop them to a whole new level. Uh, the story was so much fuller and more vibrant colors to them when hear you tell a story. How many of y'all have heard Paul Harvey tell a story? Okay. How many of y'all have never heard of Paul Harvey? All right. Go Google him. All right. Uh, you'll have to YouTube him or something like that because his voice is no longer speaking. All right. He's pushing up daisies. But uh, he's uh, an amazing storyteller kind of guy that uh, even today you can hear him uh, in, in, on the Internet. But he always had one tagline at the end of his story. Uh, and if you know what that is, you know what it was, all right? So it was, and that's the rest of the story, all right? I'm not even going to try to imitate him, but that's the rest of the story. And the fullness of it was is that we only know so much, and we can only appreciate so much until you know the rest of the story. And so in that, I want us to think today about the rest of the story. Now, there's a lot of ways that we could capture or pitch or or try to give image to the the Christian faith. One of those images that we like around here is the journey. We'll talk about that tonight in our North Point class. And So if you're one of those who's been at Grace Point a while and you want to see what the next step is for you, North Point would be the next step. And in that, in that setting, we will talk about faith as a journey and that you need to start right to end right and that we're going to define what the starting blocks are today for that life and that this evening. And so you can be back tonight at 5 o'clock if you want to hear about that. But that's the North Point class. We talk about the journey of our faith, the journey of our life. But there's another, there's another picture that I think the fa- Christian faith has built into its fabric, and that is that it's not only a, it is not only a journey, but it's a story. It's a story to be told. It's a story that's evolving. It's a, it's a narrative that has a much larger story to it. And the thing is, is that I think a lot of people live their story of their life and, and they think that they're the star of their own story. They're the star of their own show. And, and I think it's in, until we wake up one day, and I don't know when it is. It's different for different people. It's, eight, it's 18, it's 28, it's 38. It happens at different times. It may happen in a very spiritual pilgrimage. It may happen at the end of a very dark road. But we come to a point in our life when we realize that the story can't just be about me. 
that there is a bigger story and that I'm not the star of the show, that I'm actually a supporting actor in the show. I'm, I'm supporting the main character. That there is a bigger plot than my plot, my aimless plot, B, B-rated movie at best plot. That there's actually a bigger plot than just getting up week after week or day after day and going to work and doing the routines of life. There's a bigger story out there that I can actually be a part of the rest of the story. And that's where I want to go today. Now, if you have your Bibles, look at Ephesians chapter 2. Now, if you've been with us for the past several weeks, you know that we've been jumping all over Ephesians. We're in in line to be right about now in chapter 5. We've been studying Ephesians since the first of the year. But we're in line now to be about chapter 5. Well, again, we've been jumping back and forth from 6, chapter 6, to chapter 4, to chapter 2 today. And so as we're here, I want us to to focus in on what is arguably the three, or maybe I would say this, the two most quoted verses in the book of Ephesians. And then I want to point out the most neglected verse in the book of Ephesians. And this neglected verse is what I want to point out to you today is the rest of the story. We know the first part of the story. We know it well. We have many of us in this room would even have it memorized. But the rest of the story gets lost. It is literally lost in our own lives that we don't even realize that there's another part of the story. There's the fullness, the beauty, the manifold nature of the story is so much more than what it is if I just do verse 8 and 9. If I just do chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, I've only got part of the story, but if I do verse 10 along with verse 8 and 9, then I get the fullness, the rest of the story. And the rest of the story is a working of God's grace. The working of God's grace. And so I want us to look at chapter 2, verse uh, verse 8 and 9. Again, arguably the most quoted verses in Ephesians, but then we'll come down to verse 10. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are, here's the neglected verse, for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. As we look at this passage today, I want us to understand that God wants to do a beautiful work. And if this is a great big story of God, what would you call this story? You could probably put a hundred different titles on it. But I think somewhere woven into the fabric of this story of mankind and God and God and His creation is you would have to somewhere communicate or have ingrained in it, literally, would be the word grace. Because grace is the story linchpin. Grace is the story that absolutely brings and unites the, the, the deity, the God, the perfect God of the universe who spoke the worlds in existence and, and yet fallen man and all of its brokenness and sickness and, 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 and selfishness and on and on and on and on. All of that is, is, is united and tied together by an act and a work of God's grace. And it is that grace work that we focus on today. It's the work of grace within us, first of all, that we look at. But it's also the work of God's grace through us. And it's the through us that we sometimes miss as the rest of the story, but it is the in us that you cannot assume, you cannot assume that it's taken place. 
You must know that it's taken place. You must know that it is taking place. That is an ongoing work of God. And once we understand that and we live in the fullness of that, then we can certainly live in the fullness of God's grace working through us. So let's break these down real quickly. One is that we need to understand God's work of grace in you. God's work of grace in me, God's work of grace in you. And we find that again in verse 8 and 9. And that, that passage of Scripture says, For by grace... That's the, again, that's the linchpin. That's the thing that swivels everything right there. That's the one that connects both fallen man and, 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 and amazing, perfect God. It's, it's that grace. If we understand grace, we can understand it. Now, the problem is we don't understand grace. I, I, I know we understand grace. We call ourselves Grace Point Church. But what does grace mean in itself? Grace has been alluded to in an acrostic form. It's not in your notes. We'll put it on the screen, but you might jot it down. Grace is just God's riches at Christ's expense. That's a pretty good summary of it. God's riches, all the fullness of God, all the greatness of God, all the love of God, all the riches of heaven and all the riches of earth, because he, he's, it's all His. All of it's His, and so therefore the riches of God becomes ours. How? At the expense of Christ. God's riches at Christ's expense. Just a little bit of an acrostic to help you understand it. Because what grace is, is grace is love in action. Why we call ourselves Grace Point Church, I hope that you come to this point in your life, in this point on your journey, and that you will experience love in action like none other. Grace is that love in action, that unmerited love in action. It was whenever somebody finally shared with me, Mike, you got to realize that there's nothing you can do to make God love you any more, and there's nothing you can do to make God love you any less. And when you fully put your arms around the magnitude of that statement, there's nothing I can do to make God love me any more, there's nothing I can do to make God love me any less, go figure that one out. I mean, that means I didn't do anything to to earn His love, and, and I can't do anything to lose His love. That's a full story there. That's, a, that's, that's grace in that. I mean, that's love in action. Now, so we've got to understand what this is. So you just break down verse 8 and 9. You understand that grace, grace is that motivation of God. When God absolutely loves us so much and He didn't have to, it wasn't a must, but He chose to. It was that motivation of God to where He literally chose to love us. He chose to give us Himself of His own accord. Grace is the motivating work of God. We, we oftentimes look at John 3.16 and we think about John 3.16 because John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave. Love and action. Grace, love and action. That, that act of God when He gave His Son whom we didn't deserve and we didn't earn, but He gave it. He gave Him. To, to us. That's, that's a, a deep down motivation behind what he does. But then it also, you have to understand that what he says there, says, for by grace are you, what? Saved. Now, saved is the results, the, the after effect of, of God's love in motion, of God's working and his grace in motion. It's the results of what comes out of it. And, and I think a lot of people struggle with the word saved. I struggle with the word saved. Talking to people, they struggle with the word saved. They feel like, hey, I, what are you, saved from what? 
Safe from the big bad guy with the red pitchfork? I don't see him anywhere around. You know, safe from what? I'm not drowning or anything in life. And, you know, it's, it's whenever we wake up that one day, whenever that one day is, and we stare at our face in the mirror and we go, I need to be safe from myself. You know, God did all the work of saving us from the big bad guy with the pitchfork, if, if, if that's what he is, all right? All right? The devil. We, 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 he did that when he died on the cross. You know, saved from death. Okay, we're, we, when he resurrected from the grave, that, that, that was the salvation uh, from, from death, yes. But it was salvation from ourself. We're our own worst enemies sometimes. We are our own worst enemies sometimes. And what God steps into the story of our life, and he says, listen, I'm going to rescue you from yourself. I'm going to redeem you from yourself. I'm going to justify you, make you right, even though you don't deserve it. I'm going to make you what you don't deserve. Now, I know that this may be just Sunday School 101 for some, but you know what I realize some in this room? It's first day. It's first day at school. Because what they have been caught up in is a religion of Christianity. And they don't even understand what this whole Christian gig's about. But it is realizing that God's grace, love in action, came to this earth in the form of a person named Jesus Christ. And He came to provide salvation for me from me from my stupidity, from my selfishness, from my anger, from any other list of lust, any other list of sins that you want to lay out on the table that describe Mike McDaniel. He came to rescue from me from that. That's the work that God wants to do. But it doesn't end there. For by grace, it says in 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith. The avenue. The avenue in which this, this, this grace flows, this work of salvation flows, flows through an act, an activation of our faith engaging in this reality. Now, I, I, I know that there's differing views on faith and grace and predestination and the sovereignty of God, but I tell you what, when you come to verse 8 and 9, you can't get away from there is a response on my part that I must respond to the story. I must embrace the story. There's a faith movement of me when I lean into the story. For by grace are you saved through faith. So whenever I say to this story, I'm with you, God. I'm with you being being the Lord of my life. I'm going with you, God. And... I realize that you can literally go through catechism. You can go through baptism classes. You can join churches. You can get married and be sprinkled. You can be sprinkled, dunked, and sprayed in every river, pond, and lake till the fish know you by your first name, but that won't make it. The reality of our own brokenness and that I need someone to step into my life and save me. And that someone is Jesus. And that's my faith move to Him as He's moved to me. They come together and they create a synergy that is redeeming and beautiful. 
And just because you hear it and just because you're around it and just because you encounter it and just because it's all about us doesn't mean it takes hold of us. Being exposed to the truth is not the same thing as embracing the truth. Hugh Hefner, Mr. Playboy. Mr. Playboy of Playboys, Mr. Hedonism of Hedonism, if you will. He is the poster child of that lifestyle. Grew up in the same church as Harold John Okenda, who later becomes, Okenda becomes a professor of one of the seminaries that I even attended. And he he becomes a professor. Now listen to this story. Both of these men grow up in the same church under the same teaching, under the same truth, under the same message, at the same address. They were both exposed to the truth. One embraced it. One did not. One embraced it. One did not. You could be here today and next Sunday and the next and the next and get a perfect attendance pin for the rest of your life. But if you don't embrace in faith that you were saved by God's grace, then all you've done is you've encountered it. You need to embrace it. Because that is the work of God's grace inside of you. And the beauty of that is a life-changing element that doesn't stop there. It moves from there. It goes from there. And again, I say this very candidly, lovingly, with a smile, but frankly, we are not living the rest of the story, many people. Because they stop at the work of grace within. And they miss the work of grace that He wants to do through us. The work of grace that He wants to do through us is clearly defined in the same context in the very next words from verse 10. So look with me there because we see that God wants to do a grace not only in us but through us. In verse 10, He says it like this. He says, For we are His workmanship. He's working on us. Created in Christ Jesus Four good works, four good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The reality is that God had an intention. He had a plan. He had a purpose. There's great intentionality about what God wants to do in your life, but also what God wants to do through your life. That He literally redeemed us, reconciled us, justified us, adopted us, sealed us, gave us His inheritance so that, not so we could be fat and sassy, not so that we could be satisfied Christians, not so we could be secure in our faith, but He did it with an intention that we would be His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. For what? Good works. Good works. That is something that the work of God's, God's grace is something that's so important to put your arms around because when you look at most of the religions of the world, you see that there's an appeasement element in most religions. Again, I encourage you. I'm not saying I'm an expert on all the religions of the world. You bring me the religions of the world, and, but you study it and you challenge me. I'll take this challenge, if you will. But as I have studied the religions of the world, most of the religions of the world live in the mode that you do what you do to God to appease Him, to keep Him happy. 
to keep blessings coming your way and keeping keep the wrath of God far from you. That's why some people run away from church because they lump it into all the other religions of the world. And we have to be careful that that's this is that's why I'm saying this is not a religion. This is a relationship. It's 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 different because most of the religions of the world will say it like this: I obey, therefore I am accepted. If I do A, then I will be B. I obey, therefore I'm accepted. But that's not a, that's not at all what Scripture points to. Scripture points to it a different way. I am accepted. I'm accepted by what God has done for me. Therefore, I will obey. Think about that. Throw both those slides up, guys. I, I will obey. Therefore, I will be accepted. That's what most of the religions of the world say. Or I'm accepted by what God has done for me. Therefore, I obey. See, my motivation of what God wants to do, what God has done in me, is because He started something in me. Not because I want Him to do something in me. Not because I want to make Him happy. Not because I want to ward off His, his anger. But because He has already accepted me and loved me. That word workmanship is a, is a cool word. It's actually the Greek word that we get the word English word poem from. It's the Greek word poema. And it means literally that we are a poem from God. We are His poem. He is writing a beautiful poetry in our lives. Now, I am not a poet. Not even when we begin to write it, all right, poetry. But when I think about when you hear beautiful poetry, how it stirs the emotions, how it warms the heart, how it does something to a person, how it gives imagery to something that is, that is dark... What God is writing in your life and in my life is poetry. And each one of it, each one of us is different. We are His workmen in Christ Jesus, created in Christ Jesus for good work. So how is He shaping you? How, what kind of canvas, what kind of poetry is He writing of you? And how do you know that? Uh, there's, a, there's an acrostic, another acrostic I want to give you, and you can jot this one down in your notes because God is shaping you. Okay, he is shaping you into something. Now, how is he shaping you into this beautiful work of art, this beautiful creation? Is There's an acrostic, so just jot it down. Shape stands for, one, spiritual gifts. Now, we, we have, if we're followers of Christ, different gifts. These spiritual gifts are, are, are given to us by God in our redemption process that he works in our life. And there's different ones. In Romans 12 is one. First uh, Corinthians 12 is another. A lot of different passages to them. And I'll let you do your own study. But just to kind of give you an overview, for example, the one in, in Romans, it mentions prophecy, that ability to see the future and to speak into the future. Helps and service. Helps and service is mentioned. Now you think about this. In the church, in the body, how are we to be God's grace through us? is whenever the body of Christ understands, whenever I and you and you and you and you understand your spiritual gifts and then you take that spiritual gift and you use it. And he mentions that one of the spiritual gifts is service, is helping others. You know why there's an 80-20 rule in the church? 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people? It's because 20% of the people realize their spiritual gift. And they're in there, they're serving, they're serving, they're doing. And the others who don't have the gift of service, they're enjoying watching them serve. It's a lot easier to watch somebody serve than to get into it, unless you have the gift of service. Then you're all into it. But the problem with 
people who don't have the gift of service is they abuse those who do have the gift of service. And whenever there's a need, the first person who raises their hands is the person who has the gift of service and they're willing to get in there and help and make a difference in someone's life. And the other people are saying, good, I'm glad they raised their hand. Now I don't have to. Again, it's part of the process. Just because you don't have the gift of service doesn't mean you don't enact on it. It means that you can still serve, all right? Service is one of those. There's all kinds of spiritual gifts. Uh, exhortation, encouragement, teaching, giving. I've known in my years of pastoring three churches and then being on the mission field, I've known three people that I would say that had the spiritual gift of giving. Spiritual gift of giving. And, I, and it wasn't I had to send them through an inventory. I had to give them a test or anything like that. Literally, I'm thinking of Jim as one of them from my last church. Jim was the person who would come up to me, and he was, he was a wealthy individual, all right? Now, wealthy in Northwest Arkansas standards, I don't know, but he was one of the wealthier people in the church. And Jim would come up to me, and he said, Mike, if you see a need in this kind of impoverished area where we work, he says, if you see a need, you come tell me about it, because I want to be the one who helps meet that need. And he would give cars away. I've seen people give houses away these are they say oh well if i was rich like that then i would do it no no no. it's not what you would do if a million bucks were your lot it's what you do with the buck and the quarter that you got all right so it's 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 that person who has what they have but what they have is really not for them because they really want to see and be a blessing well i can tell you right now these three or four people that i have known in my life they have literally made all the difference in taking a church, and taking a body, and taking a community from A to a whole new level, to a whole new level, because they recognized their spiritual gift of giving, and that God had given them resources, and God was enabling them to use their resources to help a whole lot more than just help themselves. It's a beautiful thing when you see these gifts being employed, whether it's service or it's encouragement. Others that he mentions is leading, mercy. There's others. Read it. Do your own study. But don't fall into the trap of, I don't have the gift of giving. I don't have the gift of encouragement so I can be an old battle axe. Or I, 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 don't, have to, I don't have the gift of, of leading so I don't have to do anything. No. What happens is the people who have the gift of giving, of leading, of encouraging, they're the ones that you want on the front of the team. They're the ones you want leading the way. All of us need to have and be expressing these gifts as we go. All right? Here's another thing. That's the S of shape. How else has God shaped you? Uh, the second one is H, and that's the heart. The heart. What are your passions? What are your interests? What do you, what do you have zeal for? What do you love? And realize this. This can be nurtured. Okay? This can be nurtured. You've got to realize you're looking at a person on this stage who will speak three times today to, I don't know, 800, 900 different people. And, and then live in Rogers next Saturday night. And so we got all this going on. And this is the person who used to walk in the first day of promotion day in Sunday school growing up and go to his teacher and tell them, do not call on me to read. Do not call on me to pray. Do not ask me questions. I didn't want to be, I, I would lead in silent prayer at best. All right. But I did not want to pray, I did not want to read, and I did not know the answers to the questions, so don't ask me. And then all of a sudden, God got this wise idea about 10th grade, and he said, Mike, I want you to be one of my spokesmen. 
I want you to stand on the stage in 2011 and to speak to 900 people. And I go, God, are you crazy? Because I'm, I, I, we're not on the same wavelength. And I literally thought God had the wrong number when he dialed me. But in that process of me being uncomfortable and willing to go there, you know what God has done? He's given me a passion, an interest, an excitement, a zeal, and a love for what I hated. So don't be surprised and don't rule out opportunities that may come in front of your face that may be God opportunities for you to develop a heart for something you don't have a heart for. And maybe it's because you haven't allowed yourself to go there that you're missing an opportunity to develop the heart that God wants you to have. So shape. S, spiritual gifts. H, heart. A, abilities. you got abilities. Now, they were nurtured. They were developed. They are natural abilities. I don't know what they are. But I love Romans 12, 6 when it says this. It says, read it with me. Everybody read it with me out loud. God has given you the ability to do certain things well. He's given you the ability to do certain things well. Some of y'all can do things that I can't do, and I can do things you can't do, and it goes throughout this room. Now, how are you taking what abilities that you've been trained in, skilled in, you know, whatever, that you picked up along the way of life, and how are you using those for God? I love it when I see people taking their skill sets. We have a statistician who works for Walmart in our first gathering. I love it that he has stepped up and said, you tell me how I can use my gifts in numbers for the church. We have used him in, in, in amazing ways to help us understand our community, our faith community, in ways that we wouldn't have known otherwise. We would have missed because he is a guy who likes numbers. I hate numbers. All right? I can barely do two plus two. But anyway, I like guys. We have IT guys floating around here that are very good. with. We have teacher people around here. We have people with, with leadership skills and business minds that can bring things together. What happens whenever all of this happens? It's a beautiful work of God's grace through you, not just in you. That's the rest of the story. The rest of the story is what you do when you leave here, is what you do from this message, is what you do from the time that you give your life to following Christ. What's he doing through you? But it's also personalities. Personalities, that's the P in shape. How is God shaping you? Now, we like to float around the office that, that what John Trent did when he was here a few weeks back. The beaver, the otter, the golden retriever, and all that kind of stuff. And we've got everybody in the office pegged. All right, you're a beaver, you're a lion, you're a golden retriever, you're an otter. And we're loving it. Because some people have been in denial about who they were all along. And we even told them, you are this because of that. We, You know what? You take your personality now. If you're the otter personality, y'all remember what we were talking about, John Trent, when he was here? He talked about the otter. That's a party animal, man. He He's always throwing a party. You know what's great? When you can take that personality and put you as the host family of a body life group, that body life group is partying every week, all right? That's the best body life group you need to go to. But then you've got another one over here who's the beaver. The beaver person. Put them in a body life group. Let them organize all the care calendar, all of the potlucks, all of the, all of the care in the, in, in the community. Those beavers, I love them because I'm not a beaver. I'm a lion, okay? I'm a lion. So the lions, they take charge. They lead the way and all that kind of What's your personality? 
God has given you a personality. It's a part of the shape. It's a part of who you are. It's part of his gift of grace inside of you. Rick Warren said it like this, like stained glass, our different personalities reflect God's light in many colors and patterns. The colors and patterns of our life is our personality. How has he shaped you? What spiritual gifts? What heart do you have? Passions do you have? What's your, what's your, what's, what, are, what, are, what are you looking, when you look at your life, what's your personality? Think about it. What's your, your abilities? The last one of, of the shape is experiences. Experiences. Now, these are good and bad. I wish we could navigate these. I wish we could choose these. I wish we could choose our spiritual gifts, our heart, our abilities, our personalities. But at the same time, then we'd all probably be the same because we're always trying to clone ourselves like the more popular people. And I love it that God made us all unique, like an own unique poem. And He gives us our spiritual gifts, and He develops a heart for us. And we get training in our abilities, and we see abilities emerge. And our personalities, psychologists say they're established by the age of four or five years of age. Personalities. But your experiences, I wish you could choose your experiences. The bad ones and the good ones. Some of you, listen very carefully because I want to speak real tender, lovingly here to you. Some of you have experienced things in relationships and on the job and in your home and in your finances and on and on and on and on that have been tough, difficult things in your life. But if you can take those and redeem those and allow God's grace to flow through them, how could you take those experiences and help two and three and four and five other people get through them. You've experienced those things. Think, I'm mad at God right now. I understand that. Work through it. Let that grace continue to flow. And start seeing God's redemptive work. And here's just a little phrase. Hang it on your mirror. Memorize it. It won't take much. Never waste a pain. Never waste a pain. What? has that pain taught you? How has it developed you? How has it enabled you to become a better person? Romans 5, 3 and 4 says, Troubles produce patience. Patience produces character and character produces hope. You and I have all experienced them. The bad, the ugly, but how are they shaping us? The good. Oh, we could talk about the good. We'd like to talk more about the good. The good can shape us. It can mess us up too. One of the worst things about success is failure typically follows success. Unless we can learn from what was the successful part of that journey and then let it shape us, let us see God's grace through that. You're His workmanship. You, the story starts with His grace saving us through faith. That's the work of God within. Look look at this. The work of God within. The work of God through us. The grace of God through us is a willingness for us to allow Him to shape us, to make us. The beautiful poem of rhythm and rhyme that can literally become a conduit of His grace. Three questions, and I'm finished. Think about them. Three questions. Number one, 
Are you a part of Christ? Are you a part of Christ? Because that's where it begins. It's the work of God within that it becomes the seed, becomes the, the launching pad to all the work of God through. And that's where you have to answer that. That's where you may be here today, and the most important thing you could settle in on is that work of God in you, that grace gift in you. Is it there? Is He working? Have you been redeemed, justified from yourself? Think about it. Wrestle with that a while. Don't skip past it. Talk with me. Talk with Jared. Talk with one of us if you're not there yet. So are you a part of Christ? Number two, is, is Christ being manifest in your life, through your life, into others' lives? Is that grace not only in you, but is it flowing through you? How are you affecting others with your, God's grace? And here's the third question. If not, why not? If not, why not? I want to praise Rogers Campus for a moment. They are all hands on deck people. They have been serving, working for the past nine months, getting that campus going. It's still in, in the beginning stages, but I praise them for their every hand on deck kind of mentality. What they have realized is that not only is God in them, but God needs to work through them. And there's no setting on the sidelines. So I'm going to let Pete close out the message there at this point. But I want to speak to the Bentonville campus. All right? Let me speak to you all real real quickly here. We have an opportunity for you to explore some things today. Around this room, and we're going to finish out right here, and we're going to say, hey, you go around this room, and we're going to give you some moments. We're going to give it back to you. We're going to say, you need to explore what's going on around. Because around this room, this Sunday and next Sunday's Commitment Sunday, are are all of our essential ministries. And you need to take 15 minutes. And you need to walk these tables. And you need to get to know some of the people. And you need to explore because you need to be asking yourself the question, how is God not only at work in me, but how is He working through me? How's he working through me? Where can I be a part? If you're a member here, you need to have two or, two or three ministries, one or two ministries at least, that you are identifying with a part of somehow in the church, outside the church. If you're an attender, get to know the inner workings of our church. We call these, we call these essential ministries. It means literally if they're not staffed, the mission and the mandate of our church is compromised. And we don't want that. We value them. We've narrowed it down. We used to have a lot more tables. We've narrowed it down. These are the week-to-week-to-week-to-week ministries. Look at them, understand them, know them, and consider being a part. But if you're not a part, here's some bonus elements. Bonus element number one is if you're an attender, you're a regular attender, you've been coming for a while, and you say, Mike, where from here? I felt a kindred spirit with this, with this body of believers. Where from here? And maybe you're not even there yet. Maybe you're still, hey, Mike, I'm on a journey. I'm not there yet, but where from here when I get ready to go? And if you're going from an attender, we, we challenge you, encourage you to become a covenant member. And we do this about four different times a year. And then we're going to do it tonight and tomorrow, or excuse me, tonight and next Sunday night is what we call North Point New Members Class. We won't offer another one until September. But this is an opportunity for you to come and learn and experience. It's a smaller group. I get to know you. You get to know Lori. You get to know the staff. You get to know us a whole lot better. We get to know you, and you get to know our hearts. And if you're interested in that, Lori and I will be hanging out at the back 
of the room. At the end of the service, you come back and see it. Say, Mike, where do I sign up? What do I need to do? I want to come the next two Sunday nights. That's an opportunity for you. But I want to give you another one too. Because next Saturday is an opportunity for you to let that grace flow through you some more. Let that grace flow through you, not just in you, but flow through you. And that would be our hope and action day. And this is our response today. This is our invitation is for you to respond and allow, start looking for places for God's grace to flow through you. Because next Saturday is going to be an amazing Saturday. We've done these before, and you're going to get a glimpse of it in just a second. But what, what this is, is a hope in action day, is where we take hope to the community. And this hope, NWA.com thing, was, was birthed back whenever our economy tanked, if you remember back a couple of Februarys back. And it has continued to grow and morph and become. And what we're going to do is we've got six homes within a two-mile radius of our campus right here that we've identified that they've said, hey, I need help. Would somebody come in and help me a little? Some, everyone has their own story. Let me tell you the story of Amy. One of the houses we'll be working on is Amy, who's a single 20-year-old mother. She wasn't a single, she didn't become single by choice. In fact, the story goes that I think a day or two days before her child's second birthday, he passed away in an amazing, weird accident in the home. Just bizarre. And it rocked this young 20-year-old's husband and wife so much that the marriage began to be shaky. And, and her husband left her. And I've been given permission to share this story with you, by the way. And... Um, so Amy is now left grieving her loss of her child, grieving the loss of her husband. And as a, as a single mother in her 20s, she hasn't stopped. She hasn't thrown in the towel. She's a full-time college student, a full-time employee. But in that same year, and I get this, in the same year, Amy's stepfather died. So she has n- no men really in her life to come in and help her fix a doorknob. Not that women can't fix doorknobs, all right? I'm not sexist like that. But she didn't know how. She didn't have anybody to teach her how. And in fact, her mother, who's, who is uh, a, bit, uh, a bit needs assistance, has now moved in with her. So you have a 20-year-old mother grieving, grieving, trying to get her feet under her, trying to establish a life with a lot of marks against her. And what we're going to do is we're going to go in and just love on her home. We're going to go in and take our hands and we're going to let the grace flow through our fingertips. That's what it means to be a church. That's what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. When God's grace is in you, but it's also flowing through you. I want you to watch this video of our last... Uh, hope in action day and may it whet your appetite and then Jared's going to come